Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. I want to invite you to go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, actually, I'm going to begin in chapter 4, verse 16. And we're going to end up at verse 10 of chapter 5. And uh, earlier this week, I asked the Lord, what do you want to say to your people this week in the climate of all that is happening? And God was very clear as He led me to this passage. And so it says in verse 16, 2 Corinthians 4, So we do not lose heart. That's a word for somebody right now. Don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Today, I wanna speak to you on the subject, walk by faith, not by sight. If ever there was a word in this season that every single one of us need to hear, it's walk by faith and not by sight. The final moments of my mother's life was a surreal experience for me and for anyone who's ever lost a loved one will know that experience as you witness your loved one pass from this life into the next. And it was in the weeks leading up to my mother's graduation to heaven at 59 years of age that God had actually been speaking to me and waking me up in the middle of the night about taking my mother home to be with Him. And as our family was gathered around her bed in that emergency Uh, ward on that day, as my mother breathed her final breaths, my eyes were opened in the spirit to the presence of two angelic beings standing to attention around her bed. It was a surreal, supernatural encounter. And in one instant, as my mother breathed her final breath, I can still remember it vividly. The fine line between the temporal and the eternal collided with each other. And in that moment, it's like everything of this temporary age was brought into an eternal perspective. 
And in the current climate of everything that you and I are hearing in the news, everything that we are facing in the world around us, it's so important that we don't get distracted by the temporary that we lose sight of eternity. You see, in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, he contrasts the futility of the temporary with the glory of eternity. And he exhorts us to understand that the physical is temporal, your spirit is eternal, so you and I better invest wisely. The physical is temporal, but your spirit is eternal. We have got to be wise in where we invest our time and energy in light of eternity. The Bible says in verse one, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, when Paul uses this phrase or word tent, he's speaking of our physical body. You see, while we live in this tent, in this physical body, we groan. Some of us groan more than others. We, we groan being burdened by the mortality of our flesh. You know, for me personally, I value my physical health. I'm sure like you do. And uh, one of the reasons for that is because there's been a lot of uh, sickness and suffering uh, throughout my family and particularly on my mother's side of the family. Uh, it was common knowledge and, and often we're hearing stories of significant diagnosis of diseases and sicknesses. And I myself for the first 12 years of my life was in and out of hospital with issues to do with severe asthma and all sorts of allergies. And so I grew up really valuing exercise and fitness and my health because it was conducive to a healthy lifestyle as well as helping me grow out of and move out of such an early childhood of sickness. And so for me, fitness is a passion and I, I you know, uh, get my family to exercise a lot and sometimes I don't always enjoy Dad, the drill instructor, getting everyone out to exercise. But the Bible says our bodies are a temple of the Lord. You better make sure you don't let your body become a cathedral, but our bodies are a temple of the Lord. And so your body, your physical tent is where your spirit resides. And so we need to look after our bodies. Unfortunately, what's not fair at this point in my life as a parent is seeing my 15-year-old son put into good practice all of the things I've taught him about sport and exercise. And on the last rep at the track when we're doing a running workout, I'm giving everything and he's just running away from me. And in that moment, I realise the mortality of the flesh is very real. And uh, there's all sorts of weeping and gnashing of teeth and I pray all sorts of prayers, but Jesus doesn't listen to those types of prayers. And so the Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, 8, while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of every value, both in this present life and for the life to come. If you never invest into your spirit, you're gonna be unprepared for eternity. The physical is temporary, but your spirit will live on for all eternity. A lot of people are gonna be shocked when they realise they invested everything in this lifetime and didn't prepare themselves for eternity. The Bible says in Mark 8, 36, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul? The Bible goes on to say in John 6, 63, it's the spirit who gives life, the flesh, Profits nothing. 
And so it's so important that you understand as Paul is teaching in this passage that God's Spirit inside of us gives us courage to face temporary afflictions with hope. The Bible says in verse 5 of this passage that God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee is the reason why you and I can always be of good courage. Paul uses this phrase earlier on in chapter 4 that we have this treasure in jars of clay. That phrase jar of clay was a common metaphor in antiquity for human weakness. Speaking of the treasure of the Spirit, the treasure of the Gospel, the treasure of, the, of what God has put inside of us. You see, the paradox of living as a believer in the present hour is like Paul says in verse 8, we may be afflicted, but we are not crushed. We may be perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We may be persecuted, but we are not forsaken. Why is that? Why can Paul say that? And why can you and I say that today as uh, believers in the 21st century facing what we're facing, even here in Australia? The, The reason we can say that is because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us and is a guarantee of our future bodily resurrection. Yes, that's what the Bible teaches. The defining truth of New Testament Christianity is not only that Jesus is the only way, but Jesus as the Son of God not only laid His life down, took our sin upon Himself, but rose again three days later out of that empty tomb. There is no other person that has got that testimony except the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He can say it because He's lived it and because He is the Son of God. You know, for the last 20 years of my mother's life before she graduated to heaven, she was in and out of hospital regularly and sometimes in hospital up to nine months of the year. Many birthdays and Christmases and Easter's were celebrated at her bedside in hospital and yet all of those 20 years of in and out of hospital, never once did she lack courage. Never once did she lose hope. And it wasn't because of her, you know, German background, self-will and and strong-mindedness. No, it was because she had courage because she knew the hope of the Holy Spirit that lived inside of her and ultimately where she was going, home to be with Jesus. You know, as painful as another visit to the doctor is, as painful as another press conference is, and I'm sure we've all had our gut full of them, as painful as COVID restrictions and lockdowns have been, it's so important you remember, it's all temporary. None of this, thank God, is eternal. So don't lose heart because as Paul says, this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So if that's the truth that the Bible teaches, how should you and I approach this temporary life as followers of Jesus? Well, God is actually calling us to navigate temporary earthly realities by faith, not by sight. We're going to walk by faith with the temporary realities that we face and not by how it looks in the moment. 
The Bible says in verse 6 and 7, we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. What is God calling us to do? He's asking us to base our confidence in His promises for the future, even when we can't see through the fog that's in front of us. You and I have been in the fog of war over the last two years. And, and, and sometimes when you're in, in the fog of circumstances and things that are going around you, you start to draw wrong conclusions about who God is and about who you are and what God's intention for your future is because you can't see beyond the fog around you. But this is why this Word is so important. We got to walk by faith through the fog, not by sight, because God's promises are yes and amen, even if you can't see the true ultimate fulfilment of them presently in front of you. Let's not be unbelieving believers. You say, is there such a thing? Well, the Bible seems to think so. An unbelieving believer is someone who confesses Jesus as Lord, but lives as if He isn't. Wow. And we're gonna make sure that as Western believers, followers of Jesus, in the midst of the fog of war, that we don't confess Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, but live practically, pragmatically in our everyday lives as if He doesn't exist as if He doesn't have any bearing upon what it is that you and I are facing? What does being a believer mean? It means I have more faith in God's promises than I do in my problems. Are you more impressed with the problem right now than you are with the promise? Because something tells me that we need God to renew our vision. We need, like Revelation says, to buy some holy salve to anoint our eyes, to open the eyes of our heart to see that there are more with us than there are those against us. We need to have a greater impression of the promises and the size of our God beyond the problems of the fog of war that we are facing right now in our lives. You see, for me, I've learnt my parents taught me this, my mentors and spiritual fathers and mothers have taught me this, whenever I face a problem, I go to the Word and look for a promise. That's what I do and I wanna exhort you to do the same. Do you just speak about the problem and, and call somebody at the problem, phone a friend and talk about the problem? And what often happens is you just end up going around the mountain, around and around again, talking about the, the problem. Let us starve our problems by feeding on the promises of God. The Bible says that God said to Joshua, do not let the book of the Lord depart from out of your mouth, but be careful to do everything written in it, meditate, upon night and day so that you may prosper and have good success wherever you go. We've got to look for the promise of God for our life. There are 5,476 promises in the Bible. Which one are you walking by faith in right now? You see, if you're sick in your body right now, you need to go to the promise of Psalm 103, verse three, that says, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will not forget His benefits. He forgives all our iniquity and He heals all our diseases. 
If you're broke right now, I'm telling you, some of you feel more broke than the Ten Commandments. You need to go to Genesis 22:14, which declares through the prophet Abraham, He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider, and my God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. When you're going through a season of lack, you sow in your lack because you know who is your supplier. If you're going through a season where you feel lonely, and let's be honest, many of us in this season, particularly if you're single or you are without a family in your home, you've gone through seasons of isolation and loneliness in this last two years. You need to go to Hebrews 13.5, which tells us I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you need direction as you emerge out of this fog of war into a new year, you need to go to the Word of God in Psalm 32.8, which calls us and reminds us that God will guide us by His right hand. He will counsel us and lead us with His eyes upon us. You need to go to the Word of God if you're feeling fear and afraid in this time. You need to go to 2 Timothy 1.7, where the Bible says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love and a sound mind. Every single issue, every single contradiction, every single problem you're facing right now in your life, there is a corresponding promise in the Word of God. You've got to run to the promise rather than just being impressed with the problem. Starve your problems by feeding on God's promises. Walk by faith and not by sight. Because whether on earth or in heaven, Paul exhorts us, we've got to make it our goal to please the Lord. Why? Not just because we love Him, that's the ultimate reason, but because judgment is coming. The Bible says in verse 9 and 10, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. Why? Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. That word judgment in the text is speaking of a decision that is resulting from a divine investigation from God. You see, there will be a divine investigation into our lives at the end of the age as to how you and I have stewarded the call of God upon our lives. If you've ignored the call of God, you're gonna be held accountable for that. If you've answered the call of God, but you've approached the call of God with wrong motives, then also you're gonna be accountable for that as well. How you've stewarded or not stewarded the life that God has given to you and the calling that is on your life, we are all going to be held accountable for. 1 Corinthians 3.13 says, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Now, we don't tend to hear much in the modern church about the judgment seat of Christ. And part of the reason is, is because unfortunately, some of my colleagues and brothers and sisters of the cloth tend to approach at times church like a business that is trying to recruit customers. And generally when you start preaching messages on the judgment seat of Christ, doesn't tend to be too attractive to too many customers. 
And yet the reality is our charge as men and women of God is to preach a whole counsel of God's Word and to preach the Word in season and out of season, whether people necessarily want to hear it or not. We see evidence of this in the prophets of the Old Testament. We see John the Baptist uh, preaching hard messages. We see at times Jesus, people being offended at Jesus' teaching. And it's not that anybody deliberately goes around trying to offend people. God loves people. I love people. We love people. But the reality is because we love people, we need to tell people the truth. And the truth is, is not just that we try to please God because we love Him, of course, number one reason, but because one day we're all going to be held to account. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4 and 5, the Lord will bring to light things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of our hearts. Speaking of our motives, why you do what you do is really important. Not just now, but for your whole life. Then each one, the writer says, will receive his commendation from God. You see, what we do with the cross of Jesus Christ determines where we will spend eternity, but how we live as believers will determine how we spend eternity. There is such a thing that the Bible teaches called eternal rewards. And if we have invested our lives only in the temporary, we're going to get a very rude shock in eternity because we realise that while this temporary life is so short, eternity is forever. And so the question I need to ask you today, wherever you're at, is are you living for eternity or are you living for the temporary? C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, says this, a powerful quote. He says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present hour and world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become ineffective in this world. What a powerful quote. You see, I think a lot of heartache would be avoided if we lived our lives in the temporary world with a greater respect for eternity. I'll be honest with you. Um, one of the things that sobers me up in the face of disastrous potential choices that I could make in thoughts, in word and in deed is to remember of seeing a picture of myself standing before Jesus at the end of the age with no one else around me, not my spouse, not my kids, not my parents, not my spiritual mentors and fathers in the faith. Nobody else in that moment will be there to be out of vouch on my behalf. I alone, you alone will be there giving an account to God for how we have lived our lives. This is not meant for us to cower back and fear this uh, God who is just always with a big stick ready to hit us and punish us for all the terrible things we do. Oh no, but it is to provoke within us a healthy awe and fear of not just a loving God, but also a holy and just God. And I tell you, when you get the fear of a loving, holy, just God in your heart, it protects you. It isn't restrictive. It's not binding. It doesn't cause you to live constantly in fear. It 
frees you. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. He has come that we may have fullness and abundance of life and understanding that there is an accountability for how we've lived our lives and whether we've only invested in the temporary or we've lived in this temporary life in light of eternity sobers us all up. The Bible says constantly be watchful, be sober-minded. That's not just about looking out for our adversary, the devil. That's about living on point, sharp, sober-minded, watchful. Why? Because this life that you and I are living is a vapour. It comes and it goes and then the next minute we're in eternity. William Booth, the founder and General of the Salvation Army famously said, if I could, I would hang every one of my leaders over hell for 24 hours to give them a sober reality check of where, what hell and what eternity will be like for those who don't follow Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And then he said, I'd send them to the mission field. Talk about putting lead in your pencil. That'll really wake you up. But you know what? I reckon it's a good strategy. If I could, I would. Because I think in the midst of the current climate of everything that we are facing around us, some of us even in the church have lost sight of eternity. We've gotten distracted by the temporary things of this world. It's all passing away. It doesn't mean you just throw your hands in the air, laissez-faire, la, 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 la. I'm just gonna bury my head in the sand because we're all going on the rapture bus. No, it means this life does matter. This life does count. What you do with your time does matter. These last two years may have felt like a waste to you, but you could actually grow closer to Jesus. You could grow in your skills and abilities, your knowledge. You could actually become healthier in this season, ready to be catapulted out forward for all that God has got for you in the coming season. You see, C.T. Studd said, there's only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Jesus will actually last. My mother would say that to me often and even in the last weeks before she passed away and graduated to heaven, two things, son, stay within whispering distance of Jesus, good advice. Second thing, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Jesus will last. This life is so short. Eternity is forever. Don't get lost in the fog of the hour. Walk by faith and not by sight. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation 
in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.